Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, February 1st. Coming up on the show today, we've got some Pro Bowl news for the Tennessee Titans. The Central Division gains some clarity over the weekend as the Nashville Predators get back on the ice. We ask the question, should the Tennessee Titans use A.J. Brown the way the 49ers are using Debo Samuel? And we offer up a Super Bowl quarterback nugget that will help you win a bar bet one day. The 440 is built for you every single Monday through Friday for free by the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. Go look at their work. If you're about to make a really big financial decision about your house, you should do so with all of the best possible information. And this is what the Kingston Group delivers for you. Time-honored, successful, award-winning, locally owned, all the best things, and taking all of the hassle out of renovations. Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Check out the website and remember the name, the Kingston Group. So for those of you who care deeply about the Pro Bowl, the Tennessee Titans and fans and a couple of players who have some bonuses coming in their contracts, of course, got some good news on Monday as both Jeffrey Simmons and Roger Saffold were named as replacements to the Pro Bowl. Jeffrey Simmons will fill in for Chris Jones, who is not going to play, and Roger Saffold is in for the injured Quentin Nelson from Indianapolis, who will not play either. So that brings the total to four players for the Tennessee Titans, along with Harold Landry, who was also named as an alternate, and of course Kevin Byer, the only actual votee into the Pro Bowl this season off of the one seed in the AFC. Again, Pro Bowls are cool. The players certainly appreciate them because there is money baked into their contracts as incentives for the Pro Bowl but it is still largely a popularity contest and fans should not be too worked up or upset if and when players do or do not get voted into the Pro Bowl. So obviously Super Bowl 56 is set with the Rams and the Bengals and you are going to be inundated with coverage from every single entity across the board. So we on this show are going to try to give you something different, a little something unique. And one of the more interesting storylines in this game is the matchup of Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow, two SEC quarterbacks, a guy who started 182 NFL games making his Super Bowl debut against a guy who started 26 NFL games making his Super Bowl debut. Both were highly touted prospects coming out of high school. Stafford, a five-star sure thing from Highland Park in Dallas, Texas, who signed with Georgia and was then taken number one overall in 2009. Burrow, a four-star Ohio legend who signed with Ohio State before transferring to LSU, winning basically everything, and also going number one overall 11 years later in 2020. The matchup of SEC quarterbacks marks just the sixth time in Super Bowl history that two quarterbacks from the same conference will face each other in America's biggest sporting event. And in what should come as no surprise to anyone, the SEC can claim four of the six times that it's happened. The last time it took place was Peyton Manning squaring off against Cam Newton in Super Bowl 50 back in 2015. Tom Brady from Michigan and Russell Wilson, who finished his career at Wisconsin, two Big Ten quarterbacks matched up in Super Bowl 49 the year before in 2014. Before that, Manning and old sexy Rexy, Florida's Rex Grossman, met in Super Bowl 41 back in 2006. By the way, Grossman to this day is still one of the more underrated modern SEC quarterbacks, an average NFL player, but I think he's very underrated as it pertains to his SEC career, but that's neither here nor there. Before that, you got to go back to 1998 when John Elway from Stanford and Chris Chandler from Washington squared off in an all-Pac-12 Super Bowl and Super Bowl 33, and then Ken Stabler from Alabama and Fran Tarkenton from Georgia 
played each other when the Raiders beat the Vikings way back in 1976 in Super Bowl XI. So only six times have two quarterbacks from the same conference played each other in the Super Bowl. And the SEC will claim its fourth such occurrence when Stafford and Burrow square off in two weekends. It doesn't mean a whole lot other than it's yet another bragging bullet point for us Southern football fans, and maybe it might win you a bar bet someday. I find it interesting, though, to see two elite, talented guys, number one overall picks from two elite SEC programs getting to face off against each other in two very different times in their career. This might be Stafford's only chance at championship glory, college or pro, as the 33-year-old only has so many more good, healthy seasons left. On the other side, Burrow is in just his second season in the NFL and has accomplished basically everything already in both the college and the pro ranks. Traditionally, this storyline is about the youngster learning how to win and the grizzled veteran finally breaking through in storybook fashion. But that's why we play the games. And I will say this every day for the next two weeks. But nothing Joe Burrow ever does should surprise anyone. I've seen a lot of conversation from Titans fans about using A.J. Brown the same way that Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers used Debo Samuel. I've watched both A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel play a lot of football since they were very young stars in the SEC. Samuel and Brown, while they have lots of similar characteristics, yards after catch, freakish athletic ability, speed, burst, power, all of those things are similar. And I think Samuel actually creates a cautionary tale for Titans fans and A.J. Brown. In particular, the amount of physical abuse that Samuel took in the playoffs with 27 rushing attempts in three playoff games. This is a guy who already missed time. He missed nine games in 2020. He did miss a game in 2021 as well. And it feels like Shanahan is using up Debo Samuel. And I don't want Titans fans to get caught up in the the flash of the numbers and the accomplishment and the skill sets that are similar. A.J. Brown could do some of those things that Samuel is doing. I do not think he can run between the tackles the way Debo Samuel can. I think A.J. Brown is more of a true down-the-field passing threat, something the Titans desperately need in this offense. Both guys have been injury-prone, in particular A.J. Brown with the knee issues. I just don't see how you would want to give the football to A.J. Brown 12 or 14 times a game where eight or nine of them are coming out of the backfield. So while I think you can learn from Shanahan and see some of the things he does with Debo Samuel and maybe incorporate some of those things into the offense, I don't want A.J. Brown with 60 rushing attempts at the end of the season, which is what Debo Samuel had. He had 59 rushing attempts. I think Debo Samuel is a rare commodity, a special talent, a guy who returned kicks at South Carolina for big plays. He's a big play receiver and yards after catch guy, and can run in the backfield like a true running back. I don't see A.J. Brown, a bigger body, a bigger frame, runs higher. He's not as low to the ground and as compact as Debo Samuel can be. I I, I would be very concerned with using A.J. Brown the same way. I think you can use some of it and integrate some of it into the offense and use A.J. Brown in some creative ways. I do not want to see 10 carries per game from A.J. Brown. I think you destroy his body and you take away what he does best, which is big plays down the field. And I think we're seeing the the toll it took on on Debo Samuel playing in, in the NFC Championship game against the Rams and against the Packers. All that wear and tear started to take a toll on Debo Samuel. There's no way he can survive that amount of physicality, just like I don't think A.J. Brown, because he's so physical, I don't think A.J. Brown's body would hold up between the tackles for six, eight, ten carries per game. I don't think Debo's body is going to hold up. Hell, running back's bodies barely hold up like that. So I just think there's a concern to just compare them and and look at their skill set and say they can do the same things and just go ahead and use 
AJ the way San Francisco uses Debo. I think that's the wrong decision. The Nashville Predators had the weekend off. After losing 3-2 to Edmonton in overtime last Thursday, the squad got four days off before getting back to playing on Tuesday night at Bridgestone Arena. Puck drop against Vancouver is at 7 p.m. What's interesting is what happened in the Central Division while the Preds got a mini-break ahead of what will be a full break following the game against the Canucks. After Tuesday's game, the Preds won't play for over a week, traveling to Dallas next Wednesday. Nashville will play one game in 13 days, and it likely means some clarity in the Central Division. Colorado is in first place and played two games over the weekend, winning both and gaining even more ground on the rest of the division. The Avs have now won 10 straight games in a row and have won 15 out of 16 to take a commanding nine-point lead in the division. And while this weekend brought Nashville and Colorado closer in terms of games played, the Avalanche still have two games in hand. They are about to run away and hide as division champs, so say goodbye to Colorado. Minnesota also played two games since the Preds have played, winning both and snagging four points as well. The Wild are now just one point back of Nashville in the standings for second place, but have played five fewer games. They will also play twice during the Preds' upcoming break, so the Wild should take control of second place as well. Which brings us to St. Louis. The Blues played only once over the weekend, losing to Winnipeg, and will not play again until the 10th of February next Thursday. They have played one game less than Nashville and are one point back in the standings. This is the real race. Colorado has a stranglehold on the division title, and Minnesota, from a points percentage standpoint, is well ahead of both Nashville and St. Louis. But the Blues and Predators are basically dead even entering February in both total points, games played, and points percentage. Both teams are well clear of Dallas and Winnipeg in the standings for now. And so if you're scoreboard watching for who has the inside track on the three seed in the Central and avoiding wildcard status, well, it's all about the Preds and the Blues. For now, every one of these Central Division teams is ahead of every team in the Pacific Division in total points and points percentage. Unfortunately, the top of the Central is absolutely loaded right now, and the Preds are right in the middle of those battles. It is a great but very difficult place to be, and getting that three seed will give somebody, St. Louis or Nashville, the best possible chance to advance to the first round of the playoffs with a somewhat manageable first-round matchup. Otherwise, as a wild card, you're stuck playing either Las Vegas or Colorado. I guess it's never too early to start looking ahead to the postseason. The 440 is brought to you by our wonderful friends, the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. They are Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm, and they are the only name you need to know if you're making a big decision about your house or your future house. Just check out their work. BuildKG.com is the website. Just talk to them. I guarantee you, you will be better off. That's the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Thank you guys all for listening. This is the 440, of course. You can follow us on the Twitters at 440 Sports, at Braden Gall, at 440 Media on Instagram as well. Check out the YouTube page also. Make sure you're listening to all the other great shows from 440 Sports as well as Broadway Sports Media and Vandy Sports as well. Off-season or otherwise, we are your place for high-quality conversation about Nashville sports. Again, thank you guys all for listening. My name is Braden Gall. Share the show. This has been the 444, Tuesday, February 1st. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.